G'day friends, welcome back. Well, it was quite a big uh, weekend in the men's competition, but there was also some women's footy on. So I'm here today to talk about round five. We're already halfway through. Oh, I'm gonna burp. Oh, oh, maybe not. We're already halfway through, which is crazy. Um, really excited for, I think next year it's likely now with the new player deal that We'll get a 17-round season, which is really, really exciting. I think that's what we deserve, what the girls deserve. Um, but yes, here to talk about two games from round five, the Dogs and the Mighty Saints going back-to-back. Back. Very exciting there. And Richmond and Fremantle, two teams I haven't had a look at yet this year. And Fremantle just like, you know, sneakily, and Richmond as well, except for this weekend, sneakily chugging along. Fremantle, not playing terrible football, so keen to dive into that one as well. Alrighty, let's get into it. But as always, let's start off with the Saints game. Two wins in a row is fantastic. And suddenly our season's, you know, back up and running. Like at three-quarter time of the Collingwood game last week, I was, I wanted a Dell's head. I was like, it was over. We were a fucking basket case. And now all of a sudden we're playing brilliant football. And imagine if we'd won the Port Adelaide game. Imagine if we picked that one up. Suddenly we'd be three and two with... Hawthorne and the Giants to come have done two very winnable games. So if we'd won the Port Adelaide game, finals would seriously be on the table. I don't think they're going to be. Um, I think we win those next two games. And then I think the, the our round 10 clash is winnable as well. Um, but round, I think our round our games in round eight and nine, I forget who they're against, um, but they're against tough teams. So I don't think we're going to quite make the eight this year. Um, but it's great to see us playing really competitive football and scoring another eight-goal game. Um, this is fantastic. This is our third highest score in our history, I believe it was, as I said in the coverage. Um, and, and a big part of where I think the turnaround has come from is it seems all of a sudden we've gone from having a really troublesome ruck division to having, you know, maybe one of the more dangerous ruck combos in the competition. This new, um, this move with Wardlaw, having her basically be the number one ruck. For, so for the last what, game and a quarter, it's been her. She's She's been our number one ruck woman. And her being able to do that while remaining a really dangerous forward target is is going to be really troublesome, I think, for opposition sides. And I love what Dal did with her in this game, right? So she was the number one ruck. She rucked most of the game. It, as the game went on, I think they integrated McKinnon. This is McKinnon's first game back uh, for the season. And I think they sort of, I think they were managing her minutes 
to a degree, I felt. Um, but it was fucking, it was so good to see her back. But the fact that, you know, moving forward, it might be Wardlaw number one and McKinnon number two. Like, imagine Aaron McKinnon's your backup ruck. <laughs> like, so Wardlaw starts the game in the ruck and plays, maybe they end up doing sort of 60-40, you know, once McKinnon's back to 100%, I would reckon. Um, so Wardlaw starts in there, and when she needs to go for a rest, she goes to full forward and remains a really dangerous target. And then you haven't got some, you know, second ruck who's not really a ruck, maybe a key position player who's just sort of going in there for a few minutes. You send Aaron McKinnon in there, who's going to, who would be one of the strongest rucks in the competition. Like she's not going to get pushed around by anybody. So she goes in there and the opposition gets no reprieve in the center, right? That they're not sending their second ruck in to go against some other second ruck who's not really a ruck. They're sending their poor second ruck in there to go against Aaron McKinnon. Suddenly, the possibilities for St. Kilda open way the hell up. Because when Wardlaw's in there, yeah, she's not going to get as many hitouts. She'll still do okay. But her competitiveness, her athleticism, her follow-up work, and her you know ability to cause chaos, especially when rucking inside 50... It's going to be devastating to oppositions. And then, as I said, they're still going to have to worry about her when she's not in the ruck because she'll be a dangerous forward option. And then like they st- like the ruck will never not be an issue for them because then McKinnon goes in there. Suddenly, this is like the strongest part of our game <laughs> in the space of a week. McKinnon coming back. like And, and I thought Nalda did a really good job. She gave it everything. But McKinnon... You know, a few years ago, she was one of the, not even a few years ago, like a year ago, she was one of the top rucks in the competition. She might be an All-Australian. I'm not, I'm not, not 100% sure on that, but I think she um, is an All-Australian at some point. Um, so, gee whiz, that excites me so much, that pairing and the chaos that it could cause. And then suddenly you're going to see our midfield becoming more and more dominant. And that was something that I was really impressed with with in this game as well. Priest, Hannah Priest, our skipper, played, I think, probably the best game of her career. She was amazing. She was running with Ellie Blackburn. It wasn't a tag as much as it was just go with her and make her defensively accountable as well, right? So Priest wasn't trying to shut down Blackburn, as you can, as evidenced by Priest's 28 disposals. But if if you send someone to the opposition's best midfielder and the person you've sent to them has is starting to rack up numbers on their own and having a lot of impact on their own, even if that opposition midfielder is having a lot of impact as well, it negates that impact because it evens itself out. You can either send someone to tag the opposition's best midfielder and hope that you shut them right out of the game and that person going to tag is often sacrificing their own game as well. Or you send someone in there who that player needs to then worry about. So I think the the priest move, and she's tagged in the past at, like for sections of games, for whole games, and she's done a really good job. But I think it was you know a pretty creative move to have her not do that 
by Dell, whether it was her or Dell that drove that. Um, I thought that worked really, really well. An interesting thing they said on the coverage as well was that this Wardlaw ruck move was driven by Wardlaw. It was it was her pushing for it to get her more involved in the game. She was looking for, you know, more ways to impact the game, and and that was what was arrived at. And I think that's fucking brilliant. I think that's awesome. Um, Patrikios is another one who I think is who benefited enormously from the way that we were able to play the game against the dogs on the weekend. They're still experimenting, I think, with her positionally. I think I think we are sort of arriving at her being a winger. I think that's where she's going to finish up. She, she can play inside, and she's quite good inside, but her running ability and her just, just how she can just run all day. Like, she just goes up and down the ground. She gets back and helps out in the back line extremely well number of times she was a player who was getting a midfielder who was getting down there to support before any of the others were so so whether they sort of you know have her play this wing half back kind of role her running ability is one of her best weapons and we've got to be using that right and it was on show in this game i thought she was fantastic the way she covered the ground um yeah i think i think Whatever Dale wants to go with and whatever she feels comfortable going with, whether it is wing or whether it is half back, I think stick with that for the second half of the year. Don't have her going on the ball and then on the wind, like moving her around all the time unless it is required. I think pick a, pick a position for her and just leave her there and just see, give her five weeks and just go right Make this position your own. Me personally, I know we've had it's it's mainly sort of been Molly, Molly McDonald owns that wing that she plays on. I guess you'd call it the the left wing if you're looking like up the ground from the back line. That's usually where she's at. Yeah, so she she's locked on to that wing position. The other wing position, it's mostly sort of jump between Patrikios and Kiochi. I'd be quite happy for Kiochi to go to half back. Honestly, I felt at times we've needed more height down there. We didn't really in this game because for some reason they played Newton at, at, in the back line. I thought that was an odd decision. Um, so we didn't need that in this game. But in previous weeks, our lack of height has been exposed a little bit. Um, in the back line, I felt, you know, it, in the Port Adelaide game, that was a bit of an issue. So I'd be quite happy for Kiyochi to go to half back. And then for the two wings to be McDonald and Patrikios. I think that's I think that's a really good um combo because the two of them just run so well. And you can see McDonald improving every single week. She's an excellent kick. Patrikios is an excellent kick. Having the two of them on the wings, I think would make us just so dangerous and that they both get back to help out. They they neither of them push forward heaps. That might be a coaching thing. I don't know. But I think you know, the, the the role of the wing is to, you know, push forward and back to help out at both ends. But I think most importantly is the pushing back part. Getting back to be the extra defender is extremely vital when you're playing that wing role. And they both do that really well. So I think that's, um, if I was coaching with all my zero AFL experience, that is what <laughs> I would have the team doing. Um, speaking of the back line, something that I quite liked in this game as well was that he had 
Dell had Matty Boyd playing as like an extra defender a lot of the time. I don't know if that came about because of the Newton, the Gabby Newton move forward by the Bulldogs or, or how that came about. But a lot of the time she was down there by herself as like the goalkeeper. Um, I think it was in the second quarter she or third quarter maybe. She took two really good intercept marks. Um, I, I think that's a really good way to use her. She's been caught out a couple of times this year in one-on-one contests. Um, so maybe as an intercept defender, um, she could be she could be a real weapon, and I quite liked her playing that role. Um, but yes, gosh, in in this space of only a game and a bit, I've gone from just being furious at everything that was going on to thrilled. So that's I don't know. If it just it seemed to just click out of nowhere at three-quarter time last week, and now we're a different team. Hopefully, it can continue on. If we can knock off Hawthorne and the Giants over the next two weeks, I, I'm happy to give our season a tick. I think that's great. I think the most games we've won in a season is three. So we win the next two weeks. That's four. It's not only four. It's four in a row. So um, I think that'd be fantastic if we can do that. I think they'll both be a challenge in their own way. I think they're both competitive teams. Um, so it'll be interesting, but go with it, this new superstar ruck combination. Maybe we won't lose another game for the rest of the year. Who who knows? Um, yes, I'm very, very, very happy with that indeed. Let's talk Bulldogs. Oh, there's zero and five now. The dogs. Um, I'd be a little bit worried if I was Nathan Burke. If he wants to come and be an assistant at St Kilda, that'd be awesome. Um, I'd be I'd be a little bit worried. If I was Nathan Berg, this is not where you want to be. I think this list that he has is better than zero and five. I think there's there's something going wrong. The loss of Bonnie Toogood has hurt them. She's playing awesome football at Essendon, and they're they're missing her quite a lot. I think an issue that they've got is their midfield's a little bit thin. I, I mentioned this. It was last week or the week before when I covered one of their games, and yeah, it feels to me that they're a little bit too Blackburn. Reliant, and she is one of the superstars of the competition, but it can't be her and then a chasm and then the next best midfielder. It's not going to work. Um, although, to be fair, I thought Deanna Berry played a very, very good game. She plays a little bit of midfield, a little bit of forward, um, but I thought she was... When they got a little bit of a run on... Oh, there's that burp. That burp's been built... I bet you don't like to <laughs> fucking hear that. Um <laughs> Um, that burp's been really building <laughs> for the last 15 minutes, and there it is. <laughs> so enjoy that for everything it is. Um, yeah, Deanna Berry was very, very good when the dogs, especially when the dogs got that run on in the second quarter when they looked really dangerous. She looked really dangerous, and I think she she kicked a goal and um, was instrumental in a couple of others. So she's a really good player as well. But yeah, just it, when Blackburn you know, isn't dominant. And she, I wouldn't say she was dominant in this game. She was very good in this game. Um, like, who, who's who's the support? Who's helping her out? Who, who, you know... Like, imagine Blackburn doesn't have a good game, which will happen every now and then. Not every player's perfect. There'll be weeks where she, you know, has low possessions and, you know, she's been carrying this... Um, I think it was a corky she's been carrying through the season you know maybe at some point she needs to have a week off for that what are the dogs going to do then um so that that is a little bit of a worry 
for them, and it, it's something that St Kilda had a little bit of an issue with in the first you know few weeks of the season, being very reliant on Jamie Lambert um, to dominate. It was great seeing her not be our best midfielder this week. She still kicked a goal. She still had her 20-odd disposals, but we weren't reliant on her, which I also felt was a really good sign. So that's something the dogs need to work on. You know, maybe a good way to test that out is put Blackburn in a different position. You know, put her in the forward pocket and see what she can do and, and let the other mids in there shine. I don't know. That'd be a risky thing to do when you're zero and five. Um, but, you know, long-term benefits to the team, I think, would come from that sort of risk. I mentioned before the the Newton um, putting her basically at full back, I thought was odd. I don't know if they had an injury or something, um, but that's normal. Like when she started out, she was a big midfielder. Then she went forward. She's been a very good forward. Um, so she can play in different positions. Like there's nothing wrong with having her in the back line, but her, their forward line just seemed to be lacking a little bit. Like, you know, if like Alice Edmonds, who's their ruck, you know, she bobbed up and kicked two goals, first two goals of her career in the space of about two minutes. So that was pretty good for her. Um, but like, you know, if their ruck doesn't bob up and kick a couple, then then suddenly like they've only kicked four goals for the game. So yeah, their forward line just looked a little bit lacking. And I think that would have been a lot more dangerous if she'd been down there. The, the, the numbers that if I were the Bulldogs fan that would be really, really worrying was their efficiency inside 50. So going inside 50 and converting that into a score, only 30% of the time did they do that. St Kilda did it 70% of the time. So not only were they not defending St Kilda's inside 50s very well, they weren't capitalizing on their own inside 50s. So real issues at both ends of the ground for the Bulldogs. Um... I don't know who they've got over the next couple of weeks, but they need to turn it around because they're not, you know, they're a good team. They've got a lot of experience in there. They've got plenty of good players. They should be playing better football than this. They're now, they're at their fancy new revamped Witten Oval facility, um, which looked very nice. And this is the first game back since it was all fixed up. And that's all very exciting. Um, but gee whiz, yeah, they need to turn their season around. It's, it's, you know, they, they didn't just, like, just get beaten by St Kilda. Like, three goals is a, a large-ish margin in the AFLW, so not good at all. Another thing that was just funny about this game before I move on, no score in the last term. Not a behind, not nothing. Zero score. So it'd be one of the shortest terms in the, in the history of the sport, I reckon, with, with no scoring. So that was a little bit funny. Um, but, yes, very, very... Happy Saints fan indeed. Alrighty, let's talk about Richmond and Fremantle. It pays to start strong, I tell you. <laughs> like Fremantle had four goals on the board before Richmond had one, and that was the game. Basically, like Richmond spent the rest of the game playing catch up, and you know, for Fremantle to do that away from home, to come to Melbourne and do that to Richmond, who've been playing really good football, um, is impressive. And and they really clamped Richmond. Like, from what I'd, the little bits I'd seen of Richmond this year, they, they like to play sort of a fast game that they, they haven't had, they haven't had that much difficulty moving the ball and, and Fremantle just really clamped them, especially early. Like, they didn't look like going near the goals some of the time, Richmond. So, really just impressive performance from Fremantle, I thought. And they did it without Bowers and without Antonio, who's two of their most 
I'm going to burp again. Ooh, ooh, two of the <laughs> two of their most important players, two of their best players. So that makes it even more impressive. I thought O'Sullivan was really dangerous early. She only ended up with the one goal, one goal two, but she was lively early and she was causing headaches in the forward line. That really important small forward role. They don't have to kick a bag, but just like causing a bit of chaos and worrying a back six is really important. I thought she did that really well. I thought they had a really good spread of contributors, Fremantle. Like their highest possession getters were Ty, Miller and Stannett, none of whom had more than 20 disposals. Um, I thought of them, Ty was probably the best. Um, I thought I thought Miller had a, a, a poor game by her standards. It was an okay game. She um, wasn't very efficient with the ball, but she got plenty of it. She kicked a goal as well. Um, I thought Stannett was probably their best midfielder, um, but their best player I thought was probably Mim Strom. Um, I thought she had a fantastic game in the ruck. 23 hitouts and eight tackles. Um, she had a lot of impact, was getting the ball... Um, down to her mids. So, you know, it's really important to have a good spread. You can contrast this with how the dogs were going, you know, just a little bit too reliant on, you know, Ellie Blackburn winning them the game. So this is a really good spread from an experienced team. Remember, like, I think it was 2020 when the final season, final series, oh my God, finals series uh, was called off because of COVID, I think Fremantle were on their way to contending for a premiership that year, and that's as close as they've gotten. We'll never know what would have happened that year. Uh, But since then, they haven't really been back to being a top, top team. Um, I wouldn't say they're a top, top team this year, but they got the bones of a really good team. This is a great game plan that they've got. They They don't do anything flashy. They're not a spectacular team to watch, but they make your life difficult, um, which I think is a really, really good thing to be able to do. The Richmond side of things, um, you know, I thought their midfield was quite good once they sort of got going. It took them a little while to get going, but once they... There's that burp. Oh, I do apologize, but when when it's coming, you got to let it come out. Um, once they got going, I thought their midfield was really important in them sort of getting back into the game. Later, Conti. Conti always plays well. Um... She was massive. Grace Egan, I thought, was really, really good. She's improving, having more impact week on week, and I think is now becoming a bit underrated, you know, because she's in there next to Mon Conti, which is understandable, but I think she's now, you know, become one of Richmond's most important players. She's an excellent player, Grace Egan, uh, and Dempsey as well in the middle also, I thought, played very, very well. Another player I thought had a great game was um, Caitlin Greiser, who I miss enormously at the Saints. I'd love to still have her at the Saints. Um, thought she was a superstar who just was out of form for a season or two, but she's back in form. That that last quarter, um, she nearly won it for them. She was everywhere. She's, she's got um, a sneaky amount of endurance because of her soccer background. Because she's a key position player, you think, oh, you know, she won't be that quick and she won't be able to run for that long. But because of her soccer background, um, she's extremely fit. She's She can run all day and she's got a bit of pace as well. And Gee, she looked dangerous for a lot of that last quarter, but they, I just couldn't quite get them over the line. But um, yeah, I thought she was really impressive as well. I think she had seven or eight touches just in the last quarter, which is really good for a, um, a tall forward. But yes, I miss... And I like that her, her G-Train nickname continues on, even though she's left St Kilda now. I think that's kind of nice. Um, but yeah, I wish we 
Wish we still had her. I think she'd complement Wardlaw in the forward line very nicely, I've got to say. Um, but yes, Fremantle did impress me quite a lot, and Richmond have had a good year up to this point. Be interesting to see. You know, it's interesting to see how they go against some of these more seasoned teams. Like Fremantle defeated them in a pretty. Um, they didn't try and like you know outscore them by heaps, or, and like I said, do anything flashy. That has made it difficult for them, and. I don't know of many teams so far this year have made it difficult for Richmond in the same way that Fremantle did. So props to Fremantle for their performance. Alrighty, that will do for this one, guys. Thanks heaps for listening. Um, I still haven't decided yet if I'm going to do a little bit more AFLW stuff um, now that we're finishing, now that the men's season is finished up and Ahsoka will be finishing up tomorrow. Um, I am sort of looking forward to a little bit of a break in the podcast, so I may or may not, maybe for like the last two weeks of the AFLW season, I'll up it to three games, and then obviously heading into finals, I'll do every single finals game. But yeah, halfway through the season, I am once again very much enjoying um, reviewing the AFLW in this way. I'd love more feedback, if any of you uh, have it, for this um, type of review, whether you think I should continue on doing this next year, I don't know, um, or whether I should go into doing it the same way I do the men's and covering every single game. Alrighty, thanks heaps for listening, guys. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, leave a review, <gasps> tell your friends about the pod and how great it is, how funny I am and how gross I am with my little burps, and I'll catch you next time. Bye!